Peterson, the writer responsible for the popular substat culture study, has written a lot of pieces that make you think in a sneaky way, like her celebrity profiles that serve as a cultural mirror. She wrote a piece about Army Hammer that asks why Hollywood gave that guy so many chances that I think about a lot. I've linked to that in the show notes just for your entertainment. She's also written about work culture and its expansion into the rest of our lives on her Substack and in the book she co-authored with Charlie Barzell titled Out of Office. She's also covered the culture of domestic labor, particularly how it impacts women today as they care for their children and their aging parents. In a piece titled Forced to Care, which is a reference to a book by the same name, Anne stated the thing that I've been thinking about in not so many words as I considered having a family in this pandemic-y world. And I quote, what we have then is a caregiving paradigm, not just for kids, but for elders and for adults that relies heavily on proximity to family and presumed willingness. For those without those things, there are two options. One, pay a lot of money for help, or two, figure it out your damn self. And that mental exercise is something that a lot of current and prospective parents go through as they're creating a plan to care for the human lives they're responsible for. This is Gina Anderson Cohen, the founder and CEO of A Sweat Life, and we're in the middle of a deep dive on deciding to grow your family or not. And in this episode, we're covering the mental side of parenting from making the decision, and yes, that counts not deciding to grow your family, to communicating with a partner in parenting, if you have one, all the way to setting boundaries. And more and more American humans are choosing not to add to their families as the world feels more uncertain and expensive. Birth rates were already dropping before 2020, They'd been falling for six straight years, but nine months into the pandemic, so December of 2020, the New York Times reported that births had declined by about 8%, the steepest drop to date. The hard truth of the pandemic is the erasure of systems that allowed caretakers to also be in the workforce. For the sake of stats, we're going to talk about female caretakers taking on an increased burden, but I know that plenty of different folks who are the primary caretaker have been rocked by these same factors. Before the pandemic, in January of 2020, women achieved a very important milestone. They made up more than half of the workforce. Cut to today, and 56% of American women are working for pay, the lowest level since 1986. Often to take on childcare or elder care without any safe or affordable options, women left their jobs to do that work. And I haven't even started on the lack of paid maternity leave and the complete dearth of options for people like me who are entrepreneurs. Couple that with the fact that we're still hearing stories about parents going back to work immediately or taking a Zoom from labor and delivery, and we are being sent a very convoluted message that moms are important, sure, but we won't do anything to make their lives or recovery easier. That moms are important, yeah, but not more important than the workforce. And here's the thing, I could talk all day about the systemic problems around growing a family, but you walk by me with a baby and forget it. I love those squishy little humans. I wanna have a conversation with them about why they think the grass grows and read them a story and help them name their stupid little stuffed animals. That's because I know that if I have a child with my husband, I would love one. I tear up at the thought of it. We are genetically programmed to bond with these tiny humans. And generally, that bond brings a new purpose to the lives of their parents. 
but purpose from that bond does not negate the stress that we just talked about. A study from Princeton University and Stony Brook University found that parents and non-parents have similar levels of life satisfaction, but parents experience both more daily joy and more daily stress than non-parents. It is a confusing existence, friends. But for those listening who have always wanted a family, the changing work world and evolving systems of care might not change anything for you except for the conversations you're having with your loved ones. The thing I want this episode to do for you, no matter who you are, is to give you the tools to advocate for your mental health and the language to ask for help if you experience very normal, very treatable things like postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. And postpartum depression, NPR reports, impacts an estimated one in seven pregnant women and new mothers, but less than 20% get treated. That's why we spoke with Tara Gurney for this week's episode on the mental health impacts of the decision to grow a family. Tara is a licensed clinical social worker who focuses on working with parents and survivors of sexual violence. And she comes at this topic from a practical, non-judgmental place. She and I talk about mental health in three distinct phases. Before making the decision to grow your family or as you're having conversations, the time while you wait for baby after taking the plunge and after the baby arrives. She shares tools for diving into the decision-making if you have a partner in parenting and tools for talking to your family if you're feeling pressured but aren't ready. And to quote our guest this week, you are the best parent for your child. And a quote from me that I say to my husband is the best decision is the one you make. Here I am with Tara Gurney. This is Gina Anderson. Cohen, I am here with Tara Gurney, who is a licensed clinical social worker. She received her BA in psychology from Michigan State University, her master's of social work from New York University, and she has several postgraduate certifications. Her work mostly centers around parents and survivors of sexual assault. She's also worked with several nonprofit organizations over the years. Here's Tara Gurney with me. Tara, thank you so much for joining me. Of course. Thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. So yesterday you hosted with a Sweat Life a workshop for a few of a Sweat Life's ambassador slash parents. A couple themes that really struck me uh, at the beginning of the conversations, a lot, a lot of other themes came up, but a couple themes that struck me were um, guilt and a lack of time. What stood out to you? Well, I think you know, the, the, like the parent guilt was one of the first things that was mentioned as, you know, a challenge around um, self-care as parents. And I think it's something that all of us as parents um, experience at some time or another, um, you know, whether, you know, for the small things and for the big things, like, you know, oh, am I, you know, delegating my time enough to my career slash my child slash my partner? Um, and then even like the small things like, oh my gosh, they watch too many cartoons today. Um, so it's definitely something that I experience and it's something that I hear from other parents as well. Um, so yeah, so it's it's definitely, it's, it's universal. And I don't know that, you know, one workshop is going to make all of that feeling go away, but I think it's just great to be able to commiserate with other parents and, you know, validate um, how, you know, validate the feelings that we have. Yeah. And we're going to be spending a lot of this conversation on 
the mental and emotional side of parenting uh, because there is a big, there's, there's a drain. You go through a lot both in making the decision to be a parent and then the actual act of creating life um, and then bringing that life up in this world. Um, so let's talk first, in, as we go through sort of the phases of this, let's talk first about the mental side of deciding to grow a family. Um, the decision itself, it's not a given anymore that we'll add children to our families, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not just like something that, oh, I just know. I just have always known I want to have children. Some people do feel like that, but not everybody does. And also too, just, you know, with, I think just this generation, like it's not just a given that we're going to have kids or we're going to have a family. Um, There's a lot more that goes into that decision um, as far as weighing career and, you know, other obligations, et cetera. Um, So, yeah. And I, and I just want to normalize that. Like, again, for some people, it's something that just, it's that, it just, that decision comes naturally, but for others, it doesn't. Yeah. Um, and one of the factors that you and I chatted about uh, in making the decision, um, especially if it's a more difficult decision for you, is to think about the support system, right? Absolutely. When you're thinking about growing your family, it's important to really think about who is going to be your support throughout that time. You might have a partner who, whom you're with, you might not. Um, but you know, if you do have a partner, like what is their involvement going to be? What is that support going to look like? Um, you know, do you have family or friends who are actually going to be there to help you when you need it? They're, you know, assisting with childcare, um, you know, assisting with finances, um, you know, just assisting with those everyday tasks. Um, I think, you know, sometimes when we face a big decision like this, it's easier to say, oh, you know, it'll work out. We'll figure it out. Like, you know, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, which I think is good to have that positive, <laughs> um, think, uh, thought process, but as a decision as big as this, especially if you're, you know, really going back and forth, um, one piece to really think about is what that support system looks like and what are the things that you can put in place, um, before, you know, bringing a child into your family. Yeah, I know I was reading Anne Helen Peterson's work around this topic specifically. Um, if you're not familiar with her as, as a listener, I'll link to her in the show notes. Um, but she talks specifically about systems of care. Um, and uh, there were a lot of women within her community of, of readers who said something along the lines of like they assumed that their parents would be there for them um, or that their parents would help with care. And then when it actually came down to it, their parents weren't because they never had the conversation with their parents about would they support them or how, how would they chip in? Um, what's a good way to have those conversations, Tara? Like how, how can you bring it up with your parents? Like, Hey, can I count on you a couple days a week? You have to be really honest and straightforward, make no assumptions. Um, and really, you know, say, you know, this is what I need. This is what we would need. You know, is that something that you could provide? Or just straight asking them, I'm thinking about, you know, moving forward with growing my family. I would love to hear from you what your support can look like, you know, really specifically, what could that look like? And, you know, and they may say, oh, yeah, you got it. Like, we have your back. Absolutely. Great. What is having my back look like? <laughs> and really kind of getting a little bit more into those details, because it is really important. Because, again, 
you know, having your back or supporting you can look very, very different from one person to another. So really gaining an understanding of what that can look like, but be open and be honest because, you know, at the end of the day, if you say, oh, okay, I guess that, you know, that works out and it really isn't going to work out, you know, then that puts you you know, in a more difficult situation. Yeah. And, and speaking of those difficult conversations and those, those hard truths, this is, this is something my husband and I are in the, the process of, of talking through. We haven't fully decided whether or not we want to have children or want to grow our family. Um, so we're in the midst of these, these hard conversations of, of actually weighing <laughs> the cost-benefit analysis. So talk me through what that conversation in a healthy situation can look like and should look like. Absolutely. Well, it has to, again, be very open and honest. Um, one thing that I recommend um, that you can do on your own and also with your partner is, you know, writing down a list of what are the things that are truly, truly important to you. And it's not about what you think should be important. It's not about what others, you know, you know, other people's expectations of what should be important. It needs to be about what you want. And, you know, maybe come, you know, maybe creating that list separately and then coming together and seeing what those lists look like, you know, are there overlap, are there um, gaps? And the biggest piece of, you know, advice I can provide here is just being incredibly truthful with yourself, being your very true authentic self. Like what is, what is truly important to you? What are your values? What are the things that really make you happy and bring you joy? It might not be easy to, you know, to see these things, it might be a little difficult because again, it might not align with what, you know, you think you should want or what others should think that you want. Um, but at the end of the day, this is your life and your family. Um, and you, you know, you don't want to base that on, you know, the happiness or pleasing of other people. And, you know, if you do have a partner in parenting and you're comparing those lists, there might be some big differences. Um, and that can be pretty, pretty difficult as well. And that's a really good starting point to having these really difficult conversations. You know, again, what are, where are you overlapping and where they're, you know, where are their gaps there? Yeah. And, and to acknowledge too, there might be a number of different kinds of structures of, of this decision too. Like you may be, for example, uh, a single human who is interested um, in having or growing a family without a partner. You might be in a, a gay relationship and you might be interested in growing your family, which might look totally different um, than the conversations too. Um so, but the values are still an incredible place to start. Any advice on those different structures, Tara, or any, any way to kind of start those conversations too? You bring up a really good point, right? That, you know, the way that your family looks is going to impact what that process is going to look like for you. Should you decide to move forward with having children? Um, you know, it could be that conversation of, you know, what if there are some fertility challenges, you know, mm -hmm. how would we want to move forward? Do we want to move forward with fertility treatments or is that something that we don't want to do? Um, you know, if you're in a uh, same-sex relationship and you're wanting to grow your family, what does that look like? Is adoption the best option for you? Is surrogacy the best option for you? You know, whatever. So I think having those conversations as well, like what does that process look like um, for you? How many children would you want to would you want to have? What does that look like? Um, so yeah, I think, yes, 
you know, comparing those values and things like that, but also what that process can look like. Um, and just, again, being open and honest about like, what are your, what are your hesitancies? What are your fears around that process? Um, and just around, you know, parenting in general, just, you know, being, being very, very clear. Um, you know, I know when I was having, you know, this conversation with my husband, one of the things that was, I was worried about was, um, postpartum anxiety because I felt like it was something that I was definitely going to struggle with a lot. Um, and I was also really worried about the whole, you know, being pregnant and not feeling well and what that looked like. Um, so I was very open and honest, you know, with him about that. And together we decided, well, maybe you should start therapy sooner rather than later. That way you can build in that support system for yourself. Um, and that, and I thought that that was really great. Um, that we could have that conversation too. And let's, let's talk about external pressure too. Cause we, we've talked a lot about making the decision with yourself and with your partner, but there are other factors as well that may have opinions. Um, so what, what does one do, um, when they're sort of faced with external pressure and what, what can those pressures look like? Great question. So, you know, the people who are closest to us, they're going to have their own expectations, their own desires, their own needs, um, as far as, you know, for, you know, us and our families, right? Like, you know, you may have parents who really want to be grandparents or friends that, you know, have kids and they, you know, like, come on, don't you want to have, you know, don't you want to have a kid too? Like we could all, you know, parent together. Um, so, I mean, if, you know, most of the time it's coming, you know, with the best of intention, but the biggest thing is just learning how to set boundaries. Um, and, you know, as you're going through this decision process, or once you've made that decision, again, it might not align with what other people want for you. Um, and that can be really hard, but I think, you know, the biggest thing is just, you can validate to that other person of this is, you know, this is a big decision for us. And we, you know, we're taking everything into account. Um, you don't have to have to explain every single, you know, piece of the decision that you're making, you know, don't feel like you have to, you know, explain yourself inside and out. Um, but just always remember that you have taken this decision very, not lightly, you have put a lot of thought into this decision, whether it's, you know, on your own or with your partner and just remember that and feel confident that, you're moving forward with what's going to be in the best interest for you and in your life and your family. And again, other people, you know, they may have their own ideas, but, you know, we can just, you know, simply say like, you know, I, I appreciate that. I know that, you know, I know that you want grandkids, but you know, we've taken everything into consideration and this is, this is our decision and we're happy for it. We're happy with it. Yeah. And one thing, my husband and I have talked about as as we sort of talk through this decision too. I've I've said this sentence several times. Like no matter which decision we make, I'm going to grieve the other one. Like I'm going, I'm going to feel a sense of loss for my old life if we do decide to grow a family, or I'm going to feel a sense of loss for like what could have been if we don't. Um, can you talk about grief? Absolutely. The first thing to remember is that you can have these feelings together. You can be happy with the decision that you made, but also feel sad and feel that sense of loss for, you know, what might not happen. Like the two are not mutually exclusive. Like these things can, these two truths, these feelings can occur at the same time. Um, and, you know, as far as grief goes, everyone grieves differently. 
my biggest recommendation is again, leaning into those people who are truly your support. Um, you know, if you think therapy is a good option to really process those feelings, I, you know, again, I'm <laughs> a huge fan of therapy. Absolutely. Um, but just give yourself the permission, allow yourself to feel those feelings. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. You can feel sad, but again, you can still feel content and confident in the decision that you've made. Um, it doesn't mean that you've made the wrong decision. It just means that, you know, you're feeling a certain way and that's okay. Our feelings are valid. Okay. Let's, let's move on to once you've actually made the decision. So let's say you, you and your partner or you by yourself, um, choose to move forward with growing a family. There's this phase of waiting. Um, how, how can you kind of manage emotions during, during that time of waiting? Yes. That time of waiting is important is incredibly difficult for several different reasons. Um, you know, there might be, you know, some additional loss as far as, you know, perhaps there's, you know, uh, failed fertility or, you know, say for example, if you're moving forward with adoption and, you know, there's a fall through, um, pregnancy loss, things like that. Um, also there could, there's just a lot of unexpected things that could come up, right? Like medical issues and, there's just a lot of anxiety, <laughs> uh, you know, there's that excitement and that happiness, but still there's, you know, a, a sense of worry, um, a sense of, you know, feeling anxious and a sense of having to relinquish control, you know, and that I think is one of the most difficult parts in all of this, like waiting in this period, um, is that there's only certain things that you have control over. And there's so many things that you don't. And it's hard. It's really, really, really difficult. Um, you know, I think, you know, going through, again, going through this, you know, phase of waiting and anticipation, whatever, you know, support systems that you have in your life, you know, certainly drawing on those to help cope with, you know, those feelings of anxiety or frustration or, you know, being overwhelmed, excitement, all of those things, um, because they can certainly come up because so many different situations can happen without, without us really realize that they can happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know a lot, a lot of women go through loss, um, during pregnancy too. Um, and I, I think it's changed a lot generation to generation, um, how women are processing that and, and they are talking about it a lot more, but, um, what are some tools uh, women need to have sort of at the ready if they do go through pregnancy loss. What what's kind of the best next step if you do sort of encounter that? That's a great question, and I mean it's definitely it's going to be different for each person for each situation. You know, aside from you know drawing on the support systems, I think you know if you have a partner involved, um, you know, really having discussions with them about you know who do you discuss this with, who do you share it with. I know that there's been this like idea of you shouldn't announce the pregnancy until at least three months you know those again other you know conversations you want to have with your partner for myself I chose not to do that because if I did experience a pregnancy loss with my most recent pregnancy I wanted there to be someone who knew Mm -hmm. um so I did tell you know a handful of people you know early on because again I knew that if I experienced a pregnancy loss I would want to depend on those specific people to help me through it um and then there of course there's just like the logistical things of like time off of work 
And you know, what are the conversations that you have when you go back to work? Do you, you know, it's, I mean, it can be hard to you know face a lot of different people when you've experienced such a significant and sudden loss, especially if you have, um, you know, shared the pregnancy with them. So, you know, I think again, if you have, if you have that partner really discussing with them, you know, what that can look like leaning into your support system. Also, you know, I do recommend, um, I know there's quite a few different like support groups and things like that, you know, both on, you know, mostly online now, of course, um, you know, where you can, you know, gain support from others who have experienced loss. Um, seeking out therapy, I think is a really, again, another really great option. It's, you know, again, I think I've heard like in past generations, it's just like, well, it's just, you know, just move on. You just have to move on. We don't just have to move on. You know, we can take the time to grieve and we can take the time to express how we're feeling and to process those feelings. We don't just have to move on. We can give ourselves permission to, to experience that loss. And, and that brings up another really good point too, uh, before we move in to back to more joyful subjects, but um, as, as humans on the outside of pregnancy, if it's not your pregnancy, if it's not your body, um, we tend to get really excited for the people who are expecting and we ask them questions um, and we uh, may in turn like trigger someone who has gone through loss. So um, this could be a good case for either setting boundaries or just reminding ourselves as humans who aren't pregnant, um, what what is okay and what is not okay to ask. So I guess what's a good way for someone to set a boundary in those situations as the person who's expecting? Well, I think, again, just being very open and honest and say, you know, I am expecting this is this is what you know, this is where we're at. No need to ask me for updates. I will, I'll provide updates as they come. <laughs> I think that's a perfectly valid thing to do. That's kind of what I did because I, what I didn't want, I didn't want people like inundating me with like questions and texts, you know, from everyone. And I was like, if there's anything to share, I'll let you know. <laughs> uh, and I think that that's perfectly fine to say that. Um, again, you know, if you, if you want to be selective and who you decide to share the news with, that's perfectly fine. Like if you only want to share with, you know, you know, a few people closest to you, great. If you only want to share with your partner, great. You know, really just depending, you know, just, um, depending on what you want and what you feel comfortable with, you don't have to do a big pregnancy social media post. Like that's not, you don't have to do that. Like don't feel pressure to tell people if you're not ready to tell people like, this is your body. This is your life. And you don't have to share if you don't want to. I mean, and I think sometimes people feel bad. Like, Oh, like, I feel like I have to tell them, no, you don't. What's the worst that's going to happen? They're going to be mad at you when you have a baby. Like, <laughs> no, like just, you know, remember it's, it is about your, your journey and what, what you want that to look like. Because again, in this whole process, there's so much you don't have control over, but you do have control over how you choose to share and what boundaries you've set with other people. I love that. Okay. So let's move on to, you welcomed home a baby. However, that baby got there. Lots of parents, uh, no matter how the baby arrives, whether it's um, via birth, um, via surrogacy, via adoption, um, the non-birthing parent, they all can experience postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression. Let's let's talk about 
why? First of all, it's a big adjustment, right? Yes. It's an adjustment for everyone, including the parents and including the baby. Um, You know, it's no matter how much you prepare, no matter how, you know, all you have all the supplies, you have all of the things. It can still be just an incredibly overwhelming, difficult transition and adjustment. Um, you know, a lot, you know, a lot of persons, they'll experience what we call like baby blues. Um, and this is just kind of, you know, feeling of sadness and just kind of, you know, fluctuations in hormones, which can have an impact on, you know, how we're feeling and things like that. But the thing is, is that we can't just, you know, brush it under the rug of like, oh, like I knew parenting was going to be hard. Like I should just, you know, we, we need to just suck it up and get over it. Like, you don't need to just suck it up and get over it. Like, again, as you mentioned, like your feelings are valid. And if you're feeling sad, anxious, um, you know, desperate, whatever, you know, whatever you're, you're feeling, that doesn't make you any less of a good parent. It just makes you a human being. Um, and again, that's where some of that guilt comes in of like, I shouldn't be feeling this way. I have this, you know, this child, I should be so excited and grateful Um, So sometimes we do just kind of gaslight ourselves even um, around, you know, around how we're feeling. So I think that, you know, with that adjustment and then, you know, for, you know, some persons, they may, you know, they may be, you know, more predisposed to postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, you know, depending on, you know, their, their past uh, mental health history, um, you know, depending on their support systems and things like that. So, but any, any person, any parent can experience uh, postpartum depression or anxiety, including any non-birthing parents as well. Um, and it, again, it doesn't mean that anything is wrong with you. It doesn't mean that you're not a good parent. It just means that this huge life change, this huge life change is impacting you and as it should, right? Mm-hmm. right? And everyone's going to be impacted differently. So you know, again, it doesn't mean that anything is wrong with you. It means that you're, again, you're a human being and you're going through probably the biggest life transition that you'll ever have. Yeah. And it sounds like a lot of the emotions that we're talking about, both like in the decision phase, in the waiting phase and in the phase right after baby, it all has to do with relinquishing control and like your life kind of changing, um, which I mean, (laughs) sounds about right. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, it's like, again, like you can do all of these things to prepare. You can go through the steps of making the decision. You know, you could have, you know, a seamless process as far as bringing baby home, but still you can experience all of these different things. You can still experience depression or anxiety. You can still just, again, experience a sense of loss or sense of grief or sadness because you are, you're leaving one part of your life and moving into a completely new part of your life. And also just feelings around like your role as a person is changing. You know, you're not just who you were before. Now you're adding parent to that role. Um, mm-hmm. And then just all the other stressors that come with parenting. There's just so many unexpected things. And for our minds to process all of this change and all of this unexpected things coming our way, that's really hard for anybody. So that's, you know, one thing that does help, of course, is, you know, finding those areas where you do have control. Um, again, I know for myself, when I was pregnant in the pandemic, I was feeling like, oh my gosh, like there's so much out of my control right now on top of 
growing my family. So I was like, well, I do have control over building my Amazon uh, baby <laughs> baby list. And that was like something that I did because I was like, this is the only thing that I know that I can do that I have control over. I don't have control over this pandemic. I don't have control over, you know, my body. <laughs> I have control over these small things. Um, and putting in place those support systems, um, it was something that, you know, I also had control over and really helped. I love that. Um, do we want to talk a little bit about what postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety can look like? Yeah, definitely. Um, before I jump into just like some of the symptoms, one of the things that's going to be most important in another conversation, if you have a partner in parenting, is advocating for yourself and having that other person advocate for you. Because when you're going through the process of, you know, of growing your family, when you're going through the process of adjusting to parenting, there's so much that is happening. And again, sometimes we we forget about ourselves because there's just so many other things happening, including another human life who we're keeping alive. <laughs> um, so if you have a partner in parenting, like telling them, like, if you see something, like you have to say something, like if you see something in me that's concerning, like you need to talk to me about it and we need to talk to, you know, our doctor. If say if they're coming to you on doctor's appointments or whatever, like that, that person needs to advocate for you. Um, and also, you know, advocating for yourself as well. Yes. It's important to have a healthy baby, but it's also important to have a healthy parent as well. So, you know, as far as what, you know, postpartum depression and anxiety can look like, um, you know, some symptoms of PPD, um, obviously like a depressed mood, but you might see some severe mood swings, excessive crying. Um, you might have a hard time, you know, bonding with baby, taking care of baby, um, just, you might have a lot of difficulties with sleep, a lot of difficulties, you know, concentrating Maybe your mind is just like kind of feeling all over the place. Um, feelings of despair and hopelessness, like feeling like nothing is going to get better. Um, uh, it, it can also include, some, you know, anxiety, panic attacks, um, thoughts of harming yourself or your baby, you know, recurring thoughts of, um, suicide, intense irritability and anger, um, just not enjoying the things that you used to enjoy. Um, again, you might, you're, you might experience these quote baby blues, but you know, as far as like PPD, it is a little bit more intense, but either way, it's still, um, as important to advocate for yourself and, uh, you know, get that support. Um, postpartum anxiety is a little bit different, um, because it's, it's almost like this very intense, constant worry that something bad is going to happen. So you are always on edge. You feel like some, you have this catastrophic thinking where you're, you know, always thinking that something horrible is going to happen. Um, you know, you might be experiencing panic attacks, nausea, dizziness, shaking, just constantly feeling agitated, constantly in this like very hyped up phase. And like, uh, you might, you know, have just like racing thoughts and things like that. So it's, again, it is that anxiety that every person, not every person, but maybe every parent has some sort of, you know, anxiety or worry. Right. Um, but it's really, really intense and persistent. Yeah. Um, man. And then treatment for those. Um, I, I know that I have, I have a lot of friends and we have ambassadors who have shared that they have postpartum gone on medication to help with PPD or PVA. Um, can you, can you talk through kind of, um, treatment for that? Yes. Well, first it's going to, you know, that's definitely a conversation that you need to have with your doctor, your mental health provider. If you start to see some of these things, 
let let you can let your doctor know ASAP. You know, you don't necessarily have to like go and find like a therapist on your own, like let your doctor know, because then they can connect you immediately um, to finding, you know, some sort of mental health provider. It really is depend. It depends on what you want to do. If you want to do therapy, if you want to do therapy and medication, um, you know, it's really, it's really up to you and, you know, the treatment plan that you create, um, you know, with your mental health practitioner. Um the great thing is there are a lot of options as far as what that can look like. And it's going to, you know, it's going to depend on your comfort level. It's going to depend on, you know, your health and, you know, whether, whatever, you know, whatever, you know, it seems to work best for you and your family. Um, but I think, you know, the biggest thing is just don't wait, let someone know what's going on because that way you can be connected to resources. Um, I know that for uh, persons who give birth, you know, they do the, you know, the checklist at your, you know, um, appointment and typically the pediatrician's office will do like a check-in as well. Um, but these are pretty brief. So again, don't wait for the appointment. You're seeing some of these things, let your doctor know ASAP. Yeah. Um, before we wrap this up, I know yesterday on our workshop that you hosted for the ambassadors, you mentioned a couple of, of things that you sort of do to manage your own mental health as uh, a parent too. And one of the things you said was, um, that if you have a concern, instead of Googling it, you call the pediatrician immediately, <laughs> anything else like that, or in that vein that, that you use to manage your own mental health as a parent. Yeah, that, that, well, that is definitely one of them, right? Because we're always going to worry as parents. And sometimes we get into this habit of like doom scrolling. Like there's just so much information out on the internet. A lot of it is contradictory. Um, most important, like always just, always just seek that help. Call your pediatrician, call your doctor. Like, there's no stupid or silly thing that you can, that you're going to bring to them that they haven't already heard before. Um, and also, you know, when you bring those concerns forward, that's going to help you just be like, okay, all right. I have someone who's helping me out with this. Um, this is the next step. You know, this is, you know, it, it just feels better than sitting on your phone worrying about a hundred <laughs> different things. Um, a few other things that I do as far as managing, you know, my own mental health, um, I do have a partner in parenting. So one of the things I do is we, we tag team. I tell them, I'm like, I'm tapped out. I can't like, I need you to do bedtime because I'm about to rip my hair out. And, you know, doing this kind of like tag team and tapping out and just being really open and honest when we need that other person to step in um, has been really, really helpful. And another thing that's also helped me is just finding joy in the small things. Um, I know that sounds a little cliche, but, um, there's always going to be these parts of parenting that we don't like, like, I'm sorry when people say enjoy every moment, you don't have to enjoy every moment because not every moment is joyful. Um, but you know, if there are things that can, you know, make it a little bit better, whether that's listening to a podcast or joining your friend on a walk or, you know, whatever it is, um, that can help bring you a little bit of happiness, you know, just do it. Um, because yes, a healthy child, a healthy baby is important, but your health matters too. Um, and you know, I think the last thing is just advocating for yourself and making, and if you have that partner, making sure that they're advocating for you. Um, 
you know, unfortunately, I think we can all agree that, you know, the health and mental health system in our country is, is bonkers. And, you know, we have to be talking about what's going on um, because unfortunately they're not going to ask. And sometimes we need to tell them what's going on more than once uh, to make sure that they're, that they're listening to us. Um, you know, I feel like as parents, we have been shouting things from the rooftop for so long about what we need. Um, hopefully we'll get to a point where we get more of it. Um, but don't, don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to, you know, to share concerns. Don't be afraid to seek out help. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's hard enough, um, you know, trying to raise the family, um, but then, you know, managing all these other things on top of it. It's, it's too much. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, anything else, um, or hot tips, (laughs) any other guidance, advice, big questions you want to share with humans at any point in this decision or process? Um, you know, I think, you know, just a couple of things, you know, the first, you know, I mentioned briefly already is, but it's no matter what decision you make, like just feel confident in knowing that you made that decision after much, much thought, much back and forth. You know, other people may have their own comments, their own things to say, their own judgments, but feel confident in that decision you're making for yourself because it, it really is the best for you and your family and what you want in your life. And what you want in your life isn't always going to align with other people. And that's okay. Like, you know, nobody's is, no one says that you have to have children to be happy. Like there's a lot of other things that can bring happiness. Um, The other thing, you know, that has helped me, you know, for those who do decide to parent, um, one mantra that I use probably on a daily basis is that I am the best parent for my child. And if you're parenting, you are the best parent for your child. We often feel that guilt. We feel like we're not doing enough. We feel like we're doing too much. We feel like <laughs> we feel like all the things. But um, no one, no one is going to be that amazing parent for your kid. You are that. You are that perfect fit for them. So just remember that. I love that. Um, Tara, share with us sh- any shameless plug. Where can listeners find you on social and online? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I have my own website, uh, taragurney.com. Um, I provide a lot of workshops for local businesses and nonprofits. Um, so if you're interested in, you know, hosting a workshop for uh, your your staff or clients, I do workshops around mental health, uh, parenting, um, supporting survivors, trauma, things like that. So you can um, reach out to me there um, and we can definitely talk more about partnering. But this was great. Thank you so much. Tara, thank you so much for joining me um, and thank you for our listeners. This has been another episode of We Got Goals and a SweatLife.com production. Thanks to Ryan Deffitt for audio production, to Ryan Barayuga for video production, and thanks to you listeners for catching us wherever you get your podcasts. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We appreciate it a lot. 